the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, I'm going to skip the normal preamble today uh, for the program. I'll get into it a little bit later, but I want to go right to the White House right now. There is breaking news as Sean Spicer has stepped down as a White House press secretary and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has replaced him with Mr. Scaramucci coming in uh, to take over communications at the White House. So let's go right to the White House right now where Sarah Huckabee Sanders is talking to the press. Would report to that person. So do you still report to Ryan's or do you report to him? I think that Anthony said it uh, better than I can in this capacity as we plan to work together as a team. And certainly our goal is to work together to promote the president's agenda and to do that not just with the two of us, but our, the entire press comms office, as well as the entire White House staff. Again, do, you report, do you report to him or do you report to him? Uh, we all serve with the pleasure of the president. Callie. Questions for you. Um, number one, when you talk about, there were some comments made by senior uh, administration officials this morning on television talking about the motivations of people who are part of Bob Mueller's uh, special counsel investigation. Do donations to a political party, if it's not the president's party, does the president believe that disqualifies those people from being part of this special counsel? Uh, I don't know that we're uh, putting out a litmus test, but again, questions regarding uh, that, I would direct you to the outside counsel that's running that part of the process. Question about National Security Advisor McMaster. Does the president have confidence in his National Security Advisor? Uh, I have no reason to believe otherwise. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Sure. Sarah. Alex. Um, president clearly doesn't want uh, special counsel. Oh, he said he doesn't want special counsel. Robert Mueller's finances, but. The intelligence committees are already looking into uh, financial data from the Treasury Department. Is there anything the White House can do to stop that? Uh, look, again, the president's point is that he doesn't want the special counsel to move beyond uh, the scope and outside of its mission. And the president's been very clear, as have uh, his accountants and team. Yeah, what the hell is the mission? I, I mean, why, why doesn't somebody in the press corps ask, what is Bob Mueller looking for? What crime is he investigating? Or is Bob Mueller looking for a crime? Is he trying to dig up a crime somewhere? And why this, this, this frustrates me to no end that we have a special counsel that has been convened to look into Russia meddling in our elections. And why is it going into Donald Trump's finances? Why, why, why aren't they investigating Russia instead of the president? Do they have any information that the president was coordinating with Russia on influencing our elections? I, 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 and, and has there been a charge? Has there been a charge that this president, at last we heard, James Comey said he wasn't under investigation. So who is under investigation? Bob Mueller is going crazy. And by the way, we mentioned this yesterday. Now Bob Mueller is leaking. He's leaking information to the press, a special counsel. By the way, that's illegal. And then based on your remarks today and Mark Short's two days ago, you seem to favor uh, repeal and replace. 
Does that mean you are against the outright repeal bill that Congressman Biggs has introduced tonight? Not against, but again, as Mark said earlier this week, our preference is to repeal and replace. Sarah, thanks, Sarah. Uh, two questions for you. Can you take us through the process of how the president decided to hire this new communications director, Anthony uh, Scaramucci? And moving forward, um, what will his role be in terms of objectives that the president wants him to meet? Uh, as Anthony said, uh, he's known the president a long time. He's been a uh, loyal supporter of the president. Uh, and Anthony's somebody who has come from nothing and built an incredible, I think, several incredible companies. And he doesn't come from Washington, D.C. He, he doesn't come up in that cesspool culture in Washington, D.C. He's not part of the I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, and we'll sell our constituents up the river culture. I'm inside the White House. Follow up on uh, Rob Mueller. Does President Trump have confidence that Robert Mueller will conduct a fair investigation? Thank you. Uh, you know, at this point, I don't uh, have any reason to see otherwise, but I have not had a chance to ask the president, and I'd want to get clarity on that before I comment. Sarah. Z? Thanks, Sarah. Um, I just was wondering, certainly, starting January 20th, this administration has cycled through, uh, has seen departures of the deputy chief of staff and national security advisor, communications director, press secretary, um, several other roles inside this building and across the street. Um, what does that say about uh, sort of the efforts to staff up this administration at the start? What has the president learned about his team, about himself as president? And can you explain sort of that very high turnover rate that we've seen over the last six months? Uh, you would have to ask the president uh, what he's learned in that process. And um, I can tell you, though, I think what we've all learned in that process is that working together and working to accomplish the things that the American people elected the president to do is our focus. It's what we come here every day to do. We're a lot less focused on uh, the who, but the what, and we're going to continue doing that every single day. Jim? Do you see that as, as a chaotic uh, No, I don't see it as chaotic. Jim? Sarah, is the White House concerned? If you want to see chaos, Zeke, you should come to my house early in the morning when my three kids are running around. That's chaos. <laughs> Concern news this week uh, concerning the Attorney General and uh, the resignation of Mr. Spicer could have the effect of alienating or demoralizing uh, Trump loyalists uh, both in and out of the administration. I don't think so. Man, if I may play the part of White House spokesperson just for that question, demoralizing with the replacement of establishment GOP figures in the administration and calling out when established GOP figures let the president down, does that discourage Trump loyalists? I would say no. As a matter of fact, I see it and I read it as encouraging to Trump loyalists. There is a phrase that has become common that that describes, ladies and gentlemen, it's called draining the swamp. And I think I know where that press reporter was going. What has the president learned? And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to dare to speak for the president of the United States, but I think what he may have learned is just how many on the Republican side are gunning for him every bit as much as those on the Democrat side. And I think that he has charged those closest to him to find out 
where the leaks are coming from to find out who is loyal to the Republican Party and who is loyal to the Trump administration and thus to the millions of Americans who put Mr. Trump in the White House. And I think Trump loyalists, and I'm not, I don't want to dump on Spicer, I'm not sure what happened there. But I can tell you that the back and forth with Sessions uh, really, really underscores how frustrated this president is with an investigation that was founded apparently to dig up dirt on the president. What crime are you investigating? I don't know, but we're going to go look for one. If we have to spend the next four years discrediting this president, we're going to find one. And that's what the special counsel appears to have been given carte blanche to do. And Donald Trump hires Jeff Sessions, securing the knowledge that, hey, let's get to the bottom of what the Russians did. And let's go, but let's focus on what the Russians did. Instead of, oh, well, I'm going to recuse myself because in the course of my duties, I met with a Russian ambassador. And now all of a sudden, that is criminal. We play the soundbite of this, this weasel, Mike Quigley. He's a Democrat from Illinois. I think what we're learning uh, with the Trump Jr. meeting is when you meet with any Russians, you're meeting with Russian intelligence and therefore President Putin. Okay, if that's the case, then uh, again, we said this yesterday, start marching every Democrat who's met with a Russian in the last, what, eight years? Start marching them into jail because they're all guilty of treason, according to the standard being put out by this absurd little man, Mike Quigley. And then you've got... The, the, the basket of bias reporter on the other end. Oh, oh, okay, oh. Instead of pushing back saying, excuse me, congressman. But it, are, are, are you ready to criminalize talking with Russians? They are a nuclear power, sir. I mean, do you really want to go to, to not communicating with the, a, a major nuclear power? Is that really the right way to go, sir? And if you start talking with a nuclear power... Or citizens of a nuclear power, uh, that's going to be seen as suspect and get you and get you thrown in jail or get you investigated. Is that is that what you the, the atmosphere you really want to set here in the United States, sir? And then, Mr. Quigley, uh, many conservatives have been decrying for years during the Obama administration the aggressive nature of Vladimir Putin, but you sat on your big fat rear end and didn't do anything and allowed Barack Obama to kiss the rear end of Vladimir Putin. Where were you the last eight years, Mr. Quigley, demanding action on Russia when they invaded our enemies? Where were you when Vladimir Putin blackmailed Barack Obama to not put up a missile defense shield and Obama complied and when we were abandoning our allies? Where were you, Mr. Quigley? What, was, was kissing Vladimir Putin's butt okay when a Democrat does it? Is that, is that what you're saying, Mr. Quigley? That speaking with a Russian is only permissible if you're a Democrat? What a joke. And then you got Bob Mueller over here. Hiring Democrats, bundlers, 
those who get a bun, not bungler, <laughs> bundler, one who gathers a whole bunch of money and then donates to Hillary. A little frustrating. Uh, Scaramucci, after being uh, libeled by CNN, has now been elevated to comms director at the White House. Not of Washington. I'm sensing a trend. I'm sent, and, you, and this is this this dovetails perfectly to what we're going to be talking about today, folks. And I hope you guys can can chime in because I said we we're going to talk about this, and you know what? This is going to be an ongoing discussion. But what is the Republican Party? What does it mean to be a Republican? I thought I knew. I asked this yesterday of Congressman Babin. I thought I knew. But then there's Senator Collins. There's Lisa Murkowski. There's Rob Portman. There's Shelley Capito. Well, they claim to be Republicans too. But I, I, can, can you... Now, when you look at the Democrats, there are all kinds of things that unify Democrats. And we've outlined them since the election. Anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish state, anti-cop, anti-free enterprise, anti-prosperity, anti-individual liberty. That, that unifies the Democrat Party nearly universally. Can you guys think of one issue where Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Collins from Maine are unified on? From... The, the, where the entire Republican Party says that issue, the GOP is unified. Can you think of one? I'll be back in a minute. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The session should have never recused himself. And if he would, if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job and I would have picked somebody else. That was uh, President Trump venting, venting to the New York Times about Jeff Sessions. And the reason why the president now, it's, it's being spun out there by his detractors that Sessions was supposed to run interference for Donald Trump and to hide his collusion with Vladimir Putin. But what the president wanted to have happen was to have an investigation on the problem, which is Russian interference. And Jeff Sessions was supposed to get to the bottom of that. Jeff Sessions, no fan of the Soviet Union, no fan of the Russians, certainly over the last eight years and their barbarism, what they've been doing. And Donald Trump said, look, if they tried to interfere, let's, let's, let's find out. But the last thing he wanted to allow happen was to have this investigation descend into a, into a witch hunt. Let's see what we can embarrass the president with today. And that's 
look, you can say anything you want to about Bob Mueller. But Bob Mueller runs a sloppy ship. Bob Mueller is allowing leak after leak after leak with the expressed purpose of damaging this president. Is that the activity of a man of integrity? Is that the is that the activity of a man who chose wisely individuals to surround himself with? Many of them Democrat bundlers, Democrat donors. Does that make Okay. Let me let me be plain. It, it is beginning to look increasingly like Bob Mueller is a hatchet man avenging his buddy, James Comey. What arrangement with the Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Rosenstein, we don't know. But it smells fishy. And he gets, R Rosenstein gives him no parameters, no boundaries, just says, go for it. Investigate. What the hell are you investigating? I don't know. Trump's businesses, Trump this, Trump that. Wait a minute. The American people were told you were investigating Russian collusion with the election. And then all of a sudden the leaks. And then all of a sudden we start to realize that Bob Mueller, this man of integrity, has surrounded himself with individuals or for all we know, it could be Bob Mueller himself leaking to the press stuff that necessarily isn't criminal, but damaging to the president. Why do you do that? How does that happen with a man of integrity? How does that happen of a man of intelligence who chooses wisely who to surround himself with. How does this happen? It doesn't. It doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't happen by happenstance. This is intentional. And by the way, my understanding is the leaked information from the special counsel is illegal. And yet, nobody questions where it's coming from. Nobody says, wait a minute, how legitimate can this investigation be when it's leaking worse than Barack Obama's intelligence community holdovers? There is serious concern, and the and I'm going to tell you, folks, there is legitimate reason for this president to be worried about the integrity of these individuals who have been put in charge of some investigation that is so wide-ranging, it seems nobody can tell us what the limiting principle is behind this investigation. It's a fishing expedition and it's patently unfair and no other president would put up with it i'm not certain why this president has to back in a minute the chris salcedo show here on the blaze 888-900-3393 the chris salcedo show on the blaze radio network
You're listening to the Latino conservative, Chris Salcedo, on the Blaze Radio Network. I want to direct you guys to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Now, I told you guys about this yesterday. That we were going to, I was only going to do it for a day. But as more and more and more of you jumped on, and I started reading some of your reactions, some of your posts, I recognized I wasn't the only one who was feeling this way. Observing these things. Now as, and I did this a little little tongue in cheek. I, um, I put down because I don't, I don't want to focus on the Democrats. We know what the problem in America is, do we not? We know the problem originates in America from the left wing, especially the left wing of today. Their hate, the growing anti-Semitism in that movement, in the left wing, not me saying it, Alan Dershowitz, Longtime Jewish Democrat. He notices it too. What Berkeley is doing to our buddy Ben Shapiro. Uh, they are anti-white. Look at their propping up of Black Lives Matter. A group dedicated to the killing of white and white cops. They're anti-Jewish state. Anti-Israel. Look at what Barack Obama tried to do, interfere in their elections. Out, out there in the wide open, might I say. Nobody cared. So we know what the problem is. The problem is the Democrats. The problem is left-wing extremism. The problem is liberalism. We were told the solution was the Republican Party. And I told you at the beginning of the year, probably help. It was probably the last two years of the Obama administration that we, that the jury was still out as to whether the Republicans were the solution. And after the behavior of the GOP in the last six months, I, I have seen no evidence that they are the solution. And I think what set me off to go down this road, and look, here's the phone number. I know you guys are not big fans of calling in. And I know a lot of you are at work, and I know a lot of you can't. But if you can get to a lunch break, maybe head to the restroom, <laughs> and uh, pick up a cell phone and dial 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. This is the part where you participate. Because I asked this question, and, and don't worry, if you can't call in, it's there for you on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. And I'm going to leave it pinned to the top for a while. Because not only am I positing questions and getting your feedback, you're informing me about what you want. About what we're dealing with. 
And dare I say, some of you are even offering solutions. Solutions. I put this up. It says discussion for tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to change that. As a matter of fact, while I'm, while I'm sitting here right now, I'll edit the post. And I'll, um, let's see, I'll take uh, that out and put for the show. And I guess we should put the word ongoing, huh? Ongoing. Ongoing discussion for the show. Because it's not just a one-day thing. Ongoing discussion for the show. Given at Senator Collins, at Lisa Murkowski, at Senator Portman, at Senator Capito, does at GOP have a core? Meaning, Ted Cruz puts his arms around Capitol or Collins and says, we agree on this. I can't think of anything. Other than the fact that if they say, oh, we agree, we all agree you love mankind. Well, who doesn't? Except for some extremist libs. They think that mankind is destroying the planet. And they want to be rid of mankind. Let's push them aside, shall we? What I'm asking here is, is what is the unifying principle in the Republican Party? And the more I examine this, the more I don't find one. Congressman Babin told us yesterday, Republicans are supposed to be unified in limited government, liberty and freedom of the individual, fiscal responsibility, low taxation, low spending, only on what is truly essential, what we can all universally agree upon, defense of the nation, borders, military, and such. But what this Obamacare debate has revealed is for so-called Republican senators, they don't value that at all. Limited government, lower taxation. As a matter of fact, these, these four people, and I know there are more, I'm just targeting them because they are the problem child. They are the problem children. In this particular Obamacare repeal debate, they are wedded and in love with your money. And they want to keep money flowing out of your pocket and into their control so they can buy votes. There's already a party that does that. We don't need two political parties that do that, do we? I, say, I ask, what does the GOP stand for? What do they stand for? And then I ask, is this their party? Or is it yours? Now, I'm not, I'm not asking that in the way that uh, it, 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 who controls it. We know who controls it. There's no question about that. What I'm asking is, do you set the values for the Republican Party? Or do they? And even with their stated 
values. All the things I mentioned. Fiscal responsibility. The, all the conservative planks that allegedly make up the Republican Party. How many of these people walk the walk? Oh, they can talk an awful lot, don't they? They talk the talk. But do they walk the walk? Senator Collins can't say so. Lisa Murkowski can't say so. Portman can't say so. Capito can't say so. Hell, McCain can't say so. McCain's out there blasting Donald Trump from his sickbed. Because Donald Trump didn't think it's a good idea to finance terrorists, the so-called Syrian rebels. Did you guys hear about this? Team Trump says, uh, we're not financing the Syrian rebels and backing them up anymore. We're not doing it. Because they're filled with a bunch of terrorists, Al-Qaeda and others. And you know what? Hold on a minute. I seem to remember back during the Obama administration because he dithered, because that's all Obama did was dither. And actually, at first we called it dithering. Then we found out it was willful. It was done intentionally. Because he wasn't interested in, in uh, policies that benefited the United States. But because Barack Obama dragged his feet when the Syrian opposition first rose up against Bashar al-Assad, we, know, we knew who they were. They were identifiable and they weren't terrorists. And we could have helped them then. And Obama dithered and dithered and dithered and that group became infiltrated with Al-Qaeda and other terrorists. Gee, I can remember, who told us that? That's right, his name was Senator John McCain of Arizona. But then, Senator John McCain of Arizona still wants us, still wants us to fund these people? I don't get it. Again, is that a Republican value? I don't think so. I don't think so. So this is the question I have for all of you. What, is this your Republican Party? Do, are you proud to call yourself a Republican? And this comes from a guy who hasn't called himself a Republican in years. I'm a conservative. I'm as far above Republicans as they are above Democrats. In ideology and in expectation of government, and in worldview. Not as my humble opinion, but that's how I see it. Because republicanism seems to be kind of fuzzy. Yes, these are our stated values when we're campaigning. These are our conservative planks when, when we want folks to write checks to us. When we're governing, uh, yeah. You know, not so much. Not so much. And then my question to you is this. Do you walk with pride being a Republican, number one? Number two, how, how do you see being a Republican? And number three, does this party reflect you? Does the Republican Party's behavior reflect your values? And if you're forced to answer no to that question, what do we do about it? I have 
a suggestion, but I want to hear yours. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. If Twitter's your way of doing it, that's fine. I'll read some of them on, on the air, but I don't know. This one strikes me as call worthy. 888-900-3393. I'll be right back. It's your radio republic. Be heard. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. 888-900-3393. Welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. Let's go out to New Hampshire. Brian, thanks for calling. Welcome to the show. Sir, can you hear me? Yes, hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, man, doing well, thanks. What's what's on your mind? Uh, Now, you you know, you kind of struck a chord with me, what you were saying about the, the GOP. We had a great example here in New Hampshire with Kelly Ayotte, who ran during the first Tea Party wave, said all the right things, made it sound like she was going to be a solid representative of our values here, which frankly tend to be more libertarian than anything. Um, And then she got in office, pretty much sat at the feet of John McCain, Lindsey Graham, did exactly what she wanted to do, completely ignored her base here. And then when she ran again for re-election, Gene Shaheen came out, who's a rabid leftist, and Kelly got slaughtered, not because... People didn't support conservatism, but they didn't support a rhino who was just going to get our election get our, or get our votes, get our money, get our support, and then go to Washington and do exactly what we didn't want her to do. That's a great point. And uh, somebody had texted me earlier saying, Chris, I know you're not happy with the GOP. I'm not happy with the GOP right now, but we, you know, we can't support Democrats. And I'm not saying that. And he says we can't not vote because we can't let the Democrats get in there because you know, they'll ruin the country. I said, well, what's the difference? We're supporting well, Republicans that's... right now, and they've got all houses of Congress, and guess what? Progressive liberalism is still the rule of the day. And, and until they learn a lesson that we're not going to settle for them telling us one thing and doing another, they're going to keep running the same people over and over and over, keep telling us what we want to hear, get to Washington, do what they want to do, and completely ignore us. And, and I See, think that was a lesson that... I would hope that the GOP here in New Hampshire learned because it wasn't that people didn't support Kelly or what it definitely wasn't that people, at least among the people that I know, supported Shaheen. It was that they just they couldn't bring themselves to vote for Ayotte again after she completely deserted us. See, and, and here's a dirty little secret, Brian. Ayotte and McConnell and McCain, they actually prefer being in the minority. Because truth be told, a lot of these establishment Republicans are just like the vast majority of the Democrat Party. They like control. They like to be in control of your destiny, your family's destiny, your money. And they like to be able to direct it. They, they just say they can do it better than the Democrats. Now, uh, Brian, I, I thank you for the call, man. Have a great weekend. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to offer everybody. There is a solution that... It doesn't entail you certainly voting for a Democrat because they're the problem. But now that I'm, I'm thinking it's becoming abundantly clear that the Republican Party is not the solution because the Republican Party ignores its base. 
and doesn't seem to be too enamored with its base, there is a solution that will cause them all to heal to who they're supposed to heal to, us, we the people. Two words. Article 5. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two. Welcome back, everybody. If you didn't get a chance to call in or or jump on Twitter, by the way, one of you already tweeted to me basically saying, hey, term limits are what's needed. Once you get term limits in there, you start getting a different breed of politician. You start getting a different breed of individual who says, Look, uh, I'm not, my whole life isn't being in government. I'm going to go up there, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to get out because the American people are forcing me to get out. So I'm going to go up there, I'm going to work and then leave. And um, that's part and parcel two of Article 5. There's a push uh, in Article 5 to make one of those addendums to the U.S. Constitution. The biggest one in my mind still is the balanced budget amendment. But a close second is term limits. And you might be able to to combine term limits with returning the appointment power of the states when it comes to senators. Instead of direct elections. uh, This has been Mark Levin's big push. And I think as the, the Senate has conducted itself shamefully. I'll say that again. The United States Senate has conducted itself shamefully in the Obamacare debate. Uh, I think there is good cause and good reason for the first Article 5 convention to deal with balanced budget and the next one, and the next one to deal with the restoration of how we should send senators to Capitol Hill and also the term limits in the same amendment. Uh, I think that'd be a good way to go. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Mary Ramirez coming up here on the Chris Salcedo show at the bottom of the hour. And also uh, after the break, a buddy of mine, from Dallas-Fort Worth. His name is Grant Stinchfield, and you guys might have seen him in this report last night from Fox News, as well as our own Dana Lash from the Blaze TV network here. Listen. They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. In April, the National Rifle Association, the powerful and controversial nonprofit that advocates for gun ownership rights, posted a minute-long video fronted by NRA spokesperson Dana Lash attacking the left without ever mentioning the Second Amendment. Then came the shooting of House Majority Whip Steve Scalise by a deranged liberal, an event that reignited the debates over political violence. I think a lot of vitriol and invective. I mean, one of one of the people that went to jail for threats to mate, his mother said, 
He just watches too much Fox TV. Gee. So somebody threatened you and went to jail. And the mother said, oh, he watches too much Fox. Uh Uh-huh. So the man who wielded a weapon and actually nearly killed GOP elected leaders, he just paid too much attention to people like you, Nancy Pelosi. He just believed too many people like you, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, if, if, if we're going to cast those stones from our glass houses. By mid-July, in a six-minute video that also made no mention of the Second Amendment, former Navy SEAL and NRA commentator Dom Rasso was blasting Democratic officials for fomenting violence through propaganda. These conditions were common in every radical Islamic country I spent time in over my 12-year career. When the Washington Post noted the NRA's, quote, dark video talking politics, not guns, NRA TV host Grant Stinchfield spent three minutes deriding the paper as fake news. It is. It is the very idea that the NRA can only speak of gun issues, that the NRA cannot condemn unfair treatment of a president or the citizenry or, frankly, the unfair propaganda that is coming out of periodicals such as the Washington Post or the New York Times or others. So they trot out a general assignment reporter, Alex Horton, to call Dom Rosso's video dark. And they tell us we can't have an opinion unless it's about guns. We talk about more than guns because every freedom is connected. If one is threatened, they all are threatened. An Iraq war veteran Horton claimed in a tweet that Stinchfield had issued a warning to him and the Post. Some analysts trace the NRA's shift in messaging to the great political shift of 2016. About that, a warning. What, what was the warning? The warning, it sounds like to me, was, guess what? I'll not be pigeonholed by what you think I can talk about. See, time was, folks, is that American citizens were able to engage in a vast array of subject matter that related directly to their lives, whether it be economic policy, foreign policy, individual rights and liberties, keeping government from usurping those rights and liberties. This was a a point of open discussion, but somehow our society has been conditioned that only experts in government can talk about government. Only experts. Now, I wonder where they get that. I think our buddy Dana articulated that about them, their schools. How many times have we observed that the government-run education system is dominated by liberal progressives who teach this nonsense stay in your lane don't talk about things that you shouldn't let government government is the expert let government tell you what to do you just listen government is good government is great don't be an individual go with the group don't feel like an outsider. That's what our kids are taught in the government-run schools. Independent thinking, 
discouraged. No longer having a President Barack Obama to campaign against, uh, it wants to send a broader kind of message, conveying an atmosphere where the country is a scary place and implying that you might need guns to protect yourself. NRA officers declined to comment, saying they never discussed their media strategy in public, but the group helpfully emailed us FBI statistics showing 2017 on track to be the biggest year ever for gun sales, Chris. You might have to have a gun to protect yourself. Oh, I, I think the crazed liberal Bernie Sanders supporter proved to many Americans that we need weapons to defend ourselves. As a matter of fact, those Republicans on that field were convinced right away as they were sitting ducks as a crazed, liberal, progressive Bernie Sanders supporter was firing at them that it would have been nice if they could have been armed. I think many Americans are starting to see the wisdom of self-defense. We'll talk to Grant Stinchfield. Again, a good friend of mine, I, I met him when he was uh, on the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth's uh, news station. He's a reporter. He comes off the news desk. He runs for office. I'm doing national news radio in D.C. And uh, we get him on, and that's when we started our relationship. This was back in 20... Oh, man, alive. 2012, I want to say. 2011. And we've been buddies ever since. So, Grant Stinchfield, up next on The Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time. This is The Chris Salcedo Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. When the Washington Post noted the NRA's, quote, dark video talking politics, not guns, NRA TV host Grant Stinchfield spent three minutes deriding the paper as fake news. So they trot out a general assignment reporter, Alex Horton, to call Dom Rosso's video dark. And they tell us we can't have an opinion unless it's about guns. We talk about more than guns because every freedom is connected. If one is threatened, they all are threatened. That's our buddy Grant Stinchfield uh, featured on Fox News yesterday, everybody. Of course, you know Grant Stinchfield from our sister station, 570 KLIF. Also, as you heard on NRA TV, a former reporter with uh, NBC5 here in town. Hey, Grant, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. That was me talking with Grant a little bit earlier on a Dallas-Fort Worth station here in, uh, in the great state of Texas. So that's when you hear me referencing my conversation about a sister station, there's a, what they call in the business, folks, a duopoly in North Texas. And one station is owned by the same, or two stations, owned by the same company. As a matter of fact, there are several stations owned by um, uh, the same company. But the other ones are, are music and all that kind of stuff. So this is how my conversation went earlier with Grant Stinchfield uh, from, as you heard, 570 KLIF in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, Chris, it's great to talk to you, my man. It is, it is uh, a point that is often lost, that those who are gun owners 
are not single-issue voters. They also pay attention to what's going on around the country with with taxes and with uh, issues pertaining to national security. And I think you pointed that out beautifully. Yeah, well, absolutely. And for some reason, the Washington Post take offense that, that we don't talk about guns enough when for weeks and years they get offended when we talk about guns too much. And so the reality is that, that we couldn't win in the eyes of the Washington Post. So it was time that we fire back on behalf of 5 million members of the NRA on behalf of freedom-loving Americans to tell the Washington Post that they are now out of line. The fake news narrative that they're pushing along with CNN and the New York Times has got to stop. And I will tell you, Chris, I know you do it on your show. Uh, we do it over at, at 570. And the NRA at NRA TV has now made it our mission to expose these left-wing media outlets at every twist and turn. And uh, they're being put on notice. And, and I'm so proud to be able to work for an organization like the NRA um, that has really gotten out on the forefront on this battlefield for truth because it's an all-out war right now uh, on the truth battlefield. And you and I, who used to work in, in television news, uh, and, and you know what, I've been meaning to do this with you in this, in this Fox News report yesterday and what you've been doing with the NRA just gave me an excuse to get you on the air to talk about this as well. How far in your estimation has actual journalism fallen in the last eight years? Oh, I will tell you, Chris, and I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but, but now I'm almost embarrassed to say that I worked in mainstream television. It was not as bad. I mean, newsrooms were always filled with liberals, and even over at Channel 5, there are very few uh, conservative-minded folks. My buddy Mike Snyder was one of them. Him and I would get together. There was, there was very few of us. A couple producers who now work at NRA TV came over here. They left Channel 5 too fed up and, and come over here and work where, where we got some real conservative thinking going on. But when you look at the national networks and what has, what has happened there, um, where there is no regard for the truth, there is no regard for even the other side to have a dialogue, they, they mix – uh, anchor men with commentators, and you can't tell which is which. CNN has made this a specialty, and in the end, the American people are getting duped. And and so, I couldn't be a part of it anymore. And I went out and started my own business, Chris, and and doing radio and working for NRA and working over at Cliff. It's just, I'll tell you, it's liberating to get out of that cesspool. And this is what passes for honest dialogue these days. And not that not that Grant and I folks are advocating that conservatism run the editorial uh, decisions at newsrooms. It, I, and I don't want to speak for you, Graham, but I think you would echo this. We just want some equal treatment, some equal fairness. Uh, a, a Tim Russert type of individual that would be able to say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat both sides equally tough on the issues. And we don't have that anymore. It's, it's, it's a complete bias. Here's Mike Quigley. He's a Democrat from Illinois. He, he was on, where was he at? MSNBS? He was on MSNBS basically saying, hey, if you talk with a Russian, you're talking with Vladimir Putin. Listen to this. I think what we're learning uh, with the Trump Jr. meeting is when you meet with any Russians, you're meeting with Russian intelligence and therefore President Putin. Now, instead of an, of a, an actual news anchor, pushing back and saying, wait a minute, come on, Democrats have been meeting with Russians for years. Do you mean to tell me that when you meet, that, that it's impossible for anybody to have a meeting with Russians these days without being directly tied to Vladimir Putin? No, you get, you get mind-numbed robots on the other side, Grant, nodding their head and saying, yeah, Donald Trump collusion with Russia. And, and you sit there and your jaw drops open to actually marvel these people actually consider themselves grown-ups, much less journalists. 
Yeah, you know, I wish I would see it on air, the pushback, but even when you talk about diversity in the newsroom, so it doesn't even have to be the story. But, Chris, you know, we go into a morning meeting at a TV station. We discuss the stories of the day. If you had one reporter, two reporters who were open to the ideas of conservatism or at least understood, or maybe were real conservatives themselves, you and I, for instance, in the business, our views were the same. We were just unbiased when we put the news on, on TV. But to push back and say, hey, you ever think of this angle? You ever look at it from this side of things? Right now, it's a big liberal fest around a, a morning meeting at every TV station across the country. There's nobody saying, hey, you need to take another look at this from the other side of things. This is what people are thinking. And especially in a place like Dallas-Fort Worth, this is what our viewers are thinking. Yeah. Grant Stinchfield, our guest right now, folks, formerly NBC5. He works at 570 KLIF and also with NRA uh, TV. Uh, and you're absolutely right. It's it's uh, the, the, the editorial meetings that these newsrooms have these days don't even consider that there is another angle to the news that is that is not of the Democrat persuasion. Uh, tax increases. A Democrat says we must raise taxes. And these people in these newsrooms go, oh, yeah, well, that's 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 natural. Well, wait a minute. What about the Republicans who say you shouldn't be raising taxes or a conservative who says you shouldn't be raising taxes? Oh, no, no, we're not going to cover that angle. And and, and and I know it sounds ridiculous, but these conversations or lack thereof, Grant, happening today. Chris, they're not happening, and and so here's what I've I've firmly come to the conclusion, that these reporters and editors around these newsrooms across the country, especially in, in the national news media, they despise Donald Trump, but it's not really that they hate Donald Trump. You know who they hate, Chris? They, they hate you, and you being all of your listeners, all the listeners at KLF, all of the viewers at NRA TV. They hate us, Chris. They hate us for our freedom. They hate the cars we drive. They hate the pickup trucks that, that you drive in. They hate the fuel that you burn. Most of all, they hate that we own guns. They can't stand it. They can't stand that we love the Constitution and stick up for freedom. They hate it. So their attacks against Donald Trump and the media are really an attack against every one of your listeners out there because that's the ones they're really going after, and they're just using Donald Trump as the bullseye. Uh, last thing I have for you. Uh, today we've been talking with a theme about understanding the Democrat side of the aisle is is the problem. And and we have been told the solution was was electing uh, the Republican Party. We They control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, give me your reflections on the fact they can't seem to get any of the people's business done, repealing Obamacare, tax reform, any of it. Well, I don't know what I could say that you haven't already said, I'm sure, that, that they should be ashamed of themselves, that for seven years they've been talking about a full repeal. What is the problem here? The f- truth is moderate Republicans actually support the entire idea of Obamacare. They don't want to overturn it, and so now we're stuck with this. And, and the fact is I don't think the American people even know what they want right now. I mean, they're told 18 million different things, six ways to Sunday. The American people are confused about what's right and what's wrong, so you can't really go off of polls from that. The bottom line is, the whole thing needs to be repealed and start over. But if they can't come up with a plan in seven years, how are they going to do it in two years to phase out current Obamacare? Uh, it's a complete disaster, and all it makes me think is the people that have been running Washington for so long, these elitists, 
They've all got to go, and we've got to just start over with fresh blood, people like you and, and me and, and our listeners, to, to go in there and think for the people. It's the people's house, and it's no longer being run that yeah, way. Yeah, how about this? How about a government of, by, and for the people? Grant Stinchfield, everybody. You can hear his program, 570 KLIF. You can see him on NRA TV. He's a former a reformed journalist. Let's put it that way. And uh, a man who knows exactly what journalism ought to be. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being here on the Salcedo Show. Thanks, Chris. Great hat. Great being on. All right. That's how it went. Earlier today, good buddy. And, and, you know, he knows how far journalism has fallen, folks. All right. Mary Ramirez pays a visit to the Chris Salcedo Show coming up next. You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, I'm staring at 100 degrees where I'm at in the country, folks, in in, uh, in Texas. Mary Ramirez is on on the line with me talking, oh, it's 90 degrees up here. I'm just sweltering. And, Such a jerk. Uh, well, well, I know, but come, come, cry <laughs> me a river. Where is, the, here's the world's smallest violin. It's playing for you. Okay. As uh, I explained off uh, air so uh, everyone can hear. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. 14,000 plus lakes up here. The humidity is unbearable. And when you don't have air conditioning, and by the way, I when I'm pregnant, um, it's worse. <laughs> well, go jump so in the lake then. Oh my gosh, you're such a jerk. <laughs> I set you up for that. So you walked right to go jump in the lake, Mary Ramirez. I did. I did. I did. Uh, Fine. Welcome. Happy Friday. Did you get the <laughs> Happy AC? Friday. Got the AC fixed? Yes. We did nice. finally, yes. You know, oh my goodness, I, I come to you to, 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 you know, bear my heart, and oh, I'm suffering. You make fun, <laughs> boy, man. I wasn't making. It was just a little uh, the uh, uh, f- fun ribbing. How about that? We'll just call it that. Fine, fine, uh, fine. So, hey, uh, what is on your radar screen this week? Well, Chris, I think it was Tuesday of the, of this week. You had played uh, portions of that video that Campus Reform had put out, where <clears throat> these guys, <clears throat> excuse me, allergies are bad too. Mm. Where these these guys and gals went around uh, campus, I think in D.C. and asked these college millennials what they thought about socialism. Of course, they all loved it. And so, secondly, wait a minute. How- a- again, the Salcedo Show has provided you with inspiration. Yes. How- it know- has. It's miraculous. Uh, you know what? <laughs> If I had a dollar for every single time I have heard that from from scholars and from uh, uh, pe- scholar people of influence all over this country, they, they have heard the Chris Salcedo show and they have been inspired to put something down on paper or to revolutionize an, an idea that they have had, I probably would have about a dollar. So, um, hey. yeah. So- it's it's true. It's true. It gets the juices flowing. You know, for those who don't know, I do work a full time job. So I'm sitting there in the office and I'm working and I'm printing and I've got the headphones in my ear and you've got the juices going. You know, it gets me thinking. And so, yes, I do credit your show. Very nice. Um, you would be the only one. Influence. <laughs> uh, so uh, so you got to thinking you, the, the, the snowflakes yeah. on college campuses who love socialism and don't know what the hell it is. Well, that's the fun part. They ask, they get asked to define it. They all think it's a great idea, and they want our country to implement it, but then they, you know, they can't actually define it. I think there was like what one who could sort of define it, but not even really. But anyway, so I started thinking about that because of um, what's been in the news these last 
well, several years now with Venezuela. And so thinking about that, and I started looking into, okay, well, what, what percentage of our country, the, the millennials in this next generation, my generation, what percentage actually support socialism? 69% of American millennials would support a socialist president. Wow. And I just, I mean, my job was on the floor because, well, it's, it, it was on the floor because I understand socialism and so do you, but I guess it shouldn't be on the floor because of the way that our, our academic institutions present socialism as something, you know, akin to Mother Teresa and Santa Claus and, and happiness all rolled into one one thing. But anyway, so so as I said, I started to think about this in the context of Venezuela. And so I thought that I would challenge readers with this question, and that is, could Venezuela ever happen here. And and for those who, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to your show understands what's going on in Venezuela, but it's an absolute hellhole. I mean, even finding things as simple as toilet paper and, and diapers is miraculous. It's, it's really terrible. But but anyway, could that ever happen here? And and I know it, it sounds to so many people, you know, to be far-fetched and insane, especially given that by and large, we've all lived in freedom the entire time we've, you know, we've been a country. And so we sort of watch the rest of the world and kind of assume that, you know, that that could never be us. But when you look at what socialism does and its natural progression, communism, um, and, and what it prescribes in its purest form, which is what exactly what we're seeing in Venezuela and exactly what we see in every other country where it's ever been tried. And you couple that with the fact that so many young people here think that they like this ideology. Why would our fate as a country experimenting with true socialism, well, why would it be any different? And I would venture to say that it, it wouldn't. And and thing is, I know that we're not sort of teetering on the edge of Venezuela right now. I mean, we're, we're more closely aligned to Scandinavian socialism, which is this sort of weird hybrid between um, you know, capitalist free market principles and redistribution. We're far more aligned with that right now than we are with, with Venezuela, where you had Chavez prior to Maduro redistributing all the nation's wealth while nationalizing its private industries and essentially just crippling and killing its economy. So I get we're not there, but the point is with this piece is to be provocative. Why couldn't it happen here? I mean, we're pursuing the same idea- ideology. And I think you and I can both agree that everywhere it's ever been tried, it's an absolute, complete, utter disaster. 94 million people in the last 100 years alone have died at the hands of communism, which is social progression of socialism. You know, and so we're, we are, as a nation, embracing the same stupidity. And yet, you know, what do we always hear? Oh, you know, we'll, we'll do it right here. We'll do it right this time. You know, they didn't do it right. That was a third world banana republic. This is the United States. Here's the reality. That, that violence that you see in Venezuela, it, that doesn't come from the culture or, oh, gosh, gee, they're third world. That can't happen here. We'll be democratic about it. You always hear that. Democratic socialism. You heard some of those teens, those, those well, college well, teens tell the, too. Tell the folks what the difference between socialism and democratic socialism is. Uh, I, <laughs> there isn't one. Well, there is. There, there, it is well, one. Well, see, and, and, now, and this is what the libs try to say, that there's a difference. The only difference, folks, between democratic socialism and socialism is that democratic socialism you vote away your liberties and freedoms and never get them back regular old socialism is imposed upon you and you don't get a say in it well here's the thing though i would even challenge that definition i don't actually think there's a, a a difference between the two because if you look at venezuela if you look at um you know some of these other places 
they did vote people in that took those things away from them. Bernie, or Sanders, they did Bernie Sanders is a self-avowed socialist. You vote mm-hmm. for and he is uh, he is elected and reelected. You are voting for absolutely. socialism when you put that crazy fiend oh, in into absolutely. office. Exactly. What I'm saying what I'm saying is when you look at so many examples of socialism in its purest form today, you could argue using the left's definition of democratic, you could argue that the Venezuela is a democratic socialist country, if you want to put it that way, because they elected Chavez and they elected Maduro. But there's, but, a, there's a large Exactly. And again, there is no practical difference because at the end of the day, you're still That's losing you're losing your rights and your freedoms. And, and, and exactly. What's, what's the example? Oh, yeah. We use this example uh, earlier on in the week to illustrate the fact that you had Medicaid that was passed mm-hmm. and it was passed. It was two percent of the budget and was only supposed to be set up to. <laughs> to help a certain segment of the people. Then you mm-hmm. elect a socialist like Barack Obama says, oh yeah, I know you made that deal with Medicaid. I'm changing the deal. That's what you get with socialists. It's kind of like Darth Vader. Oh, you make a deal with Darth Vader, I'm altering the deal. And that's exactly, exactly right. what happens when you well, elect a totalitarian socialist like Obama or Sanders or anybody else, Maduro exactly. or uh, uh, Chavez. That, and that's what people have to understand about our country is we may not necessarily be electing leaders that are, you know, throwing people in political prisons en masse. We're not doing that right now yet. But we are electing leaders that think it's okay for, for government to take sectors of the private sector over over and, and, and to have government be the be all end all solution to our problems. I pointed out in my piece, for example, the war on poverty. We spent twenty two trillion dollars of government involvement, government money on the war on poverty, and yet we're still sitting at fourteen percent poverty rate. And Medicare, like you just mentioned, uh, 12 years. It's insolvent in 12 years from now. No money. Millions have lost their insurance under Obamacare. And, and we're sitting on a pile of debt because of it. So, you know, it, we are setting ourselves up for this kind of scenario. And that's what if people all need of to these, understand. If all of these government programs <clears throat> actually worked, shouldn't, shouldn't they have worked by now? Shouldn't this have been a paradise by now? Why do you have to mandate any of it? Exactly. I mean, look at Obamacare. Why do you have to mandate buying insurance if it's so great? Why do you have, and this is exactly why you get violence and oppression in these socialist countries, because socialism doesn't work. Government involvement in all this crap doesn't work. So you increasingly need more force to enforce that, which doesn't work. Socialism, so, ideas that are so great, they have to be forced upon you by government. Um, exactly. And to your broader question about whether or not it can actually happen here, allow me to quote. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was like once in the United States where men were free. Men were free. Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan said that. And yes, only one generation away. It's true. I mean, Venezuela, Venezuela is just one example. Venezuela was the richest country in South America. The richest. Number one. Yep. Nope. It, happen, it can happen anywhere. It it's can happen. That- you know what? Left, left, and you know what? Not only can it happen, but it will happen as long as you elect leftists. Wherever you elect leftists, liberals, progressives, whatever the hell they're calling themselves, communist, socialists, <laughs> whatever they call themselves, wherever they are, whenever they are allowed to make policy, you will see right. a loss of liberty, a loss of rights, and a disintegration of the civilized society. Every single time. Well said. Exactly right. What is the name of the piece? 
It is Venezuela's hell. Could it happen here? And Ooh. it's up on my blog. I'll tweet it out after the segment. Tweet away. And I'm so glad you got AC back because, you know, didn't, didn't want to spend another <laughs> week listening to your caterwauling. Oh, it's so oppressively hot here. Oh, oh my gosh. Have a great weekend. You're so mean. Have a nice Friday. <laughs> I shall. I shall. Mary Ramirez, everybody, here on the Chris Salcedo Show. We'll wrap things up with the man who still thinks you are stupid. Jonathan Gruber, the architect of Obamacare, coming up next on The Salcedo Show. Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, I've got some bad news, and I've got well, more bad news. Uh, <laughs> here's the bad news: Jonathan Gruber is still out there, and here's more bad news: he still thinks you're all stupid. He jumps on to the leader of the basket of bias. CNN and utters the following. Look, before Donald Trump got elected, there were no markets in America, none, that did not have an insurer. Donald Trump has injected massive uncertainty into this market. By Let me just stop right there. The, the downhill slide was well underway. There were plenty of markets that had only one choice, which is no choice. It was either one or nothing. One or be in violation of the law. So Jonathan Gruber is completely insane by saying there were no counties that didn't have uh, no choice or didn't have one insurer. Now listen to the reasons that Jonathan Gruber, again, the man who believes you're all stupid and banked on that when he crafted Obamacare, lied about Obamacare, and made sure the Democrat Party shoved Obamacare down your throats. Uncertainty into this market by being uncertain about whether he'll pay the cost-sharing reduction payments that make health insurance coverage affordable for low-income people, by not enforcing the mandate, by essentially just creating uncertainty about whether the law will even exist. So he's, so he's creating uncertainty. He's, he's making people get all bothered and very stressed out. And because they're getting so stressed out, there's no insurance anywhere to be found by anybody. It's because, no, no, he's done, he's, he has completely and 100% complied with the Obamacare legislation. He's continuing all the socialism that Barack Obama started. And he has to because he doesn't want to be accused by reprobates like Jonathan Gruber, again, who believes you're all stupid doesn't want to give reprobates like him any ammunition to say, the only reason Obama failed was because of Republicans. That's the only reason. Because they can never take responsibility for themselves. You see. Uh, Jonathan Gruber continued. These markets, there's more we could do to improve these markets, but let's be clear, Obamacare was not collapsing. Obamacare was not collapsing? When Donald Trump took office, the announcement just a few months prior had come out about 
rate increases. Deductibles were skyrocketing. Availability was dwindling. And again, several counties in the United States had only one choice. One choice, which is no choices. It's either that or be in violation of the law. Jonathan Gruber, aside from being a condescending progressive who looks down his nose at you, the people who pay the freight in this country is complete and utterly wrong. And I think it is notable who still thinks of him as an authority on Obamacare. CNN, the man who orchestrated, who was one of the architects of this law that is harming millions and not only harming millions, uh, is also making sure that millions more don't even, 29 million people, according to Bernie Sanders, don't have insurance under universal health insurance passed by Gruber. How is that possible? How is that possible? Last year's big premium increase, the 22% increase, actually stabilized the markets. Insurers had reported that after last year's one-time increase, they're ready to make money on this market, and it's going to be successful. He wants you to believe that only 22% rate increase, absolutely bubkiss. There were some states that had triple-digit increases. Complete joke, Jonathan Gruber. All right, remember, everybody, society's worth, not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a safe, have a happy, and great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is The Blaze Radio Network.